Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the new sound of online radio. Welcome to the sound of Universal Broadcasting Network. Because you make me feel alive. I've been locked out of heaven. A mix of today's hits and hard-to-find favorites. Combined with the most entertaining and intriguing talk anywhere. This is your sound. Is the sound of Universal Broadcasting Network at UBNRadio.com. Show. This is Larry X as he is. This is he. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for joining us again. Again, I really appreciate. You know, I've been getting a lot of support from you guys out there, and I just wanted to send so much love out there and thank you for being here with me. You know, I couldn't have this show uh having this little voice I have here if I'd have if I didn't have the support. You know, I, I went to the I have the kind of thing, you know, like that old Mississippi thing just jumped in on me again. But see, I can make these mistakes because you educated guys you can't do that. I it was almost like a rap one. But uh, we're going to do something different this show. I, normally, you know, I have my team with me. I have the, you know, the posse here with me. But today, uh, I have a young man here. We're going to kind of get down a little bit serious. We're going to have some fun. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm silly. I'm always going to make a little silliness out of everything. Anytime you're cooking a cake, you know, it always starts with heat. Heat always kind of hurts unless you put it right. Then you use it to create the beauty of a dessert anyway what we're going to do is create the beauty of a dessert here with a little heat i have a special guest here and one of the things i wanted to do with this show is that i'm not used to sitting one-on-one with my guests i generally like the support you know it's it's kind of like we all have our support blankets and stuff i'm still that kid and i uh, talked with uh, warren and and my team and everybody said well Aaron, why don't you Go ahead and have this conversation with uh, this young man, Marcus. I think I'm pronouncing your name Maurice. right. Maurice. Yes. Maurice, see, see what everybody know that I would tear up a name, man. But thank <laughs> you so much for being patient with me. Right. And Maurice is here from the Congo. And due to the recent violence in St. Louis and the Trayvon Martin and the cops shooting and killing young black men, unarmed young black men, and Marcus is here from the Congo, so he worked with... He wants to show us how the violence there uh, is mirroring the violence here. Or the violence here is, 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 is so similar in, 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 in the same family of that that is happening in the Congos. And we are hearing so much about the Congos. And I just am so blessed to have uh, you here. Um, tell us about you. Tell us. Sure. Sure. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, for give us a little applause here. there. We give, give, yeah. him the, give him the Hollywood treatment here. <laughs> So Maurice, tell us a little yeah. bit. Uh, tell us about you. Introduce yeah, us sure. to you. It, it, it's um, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, thank you for providing uh, me and uh, friends of the Congo, the organization I'm the executive director of, with a platform um, to engage uh, with your listening audience. Um, friends of the Congo is um, an advocacy institution. Um, we're, we're based in Washington D.C. and we have two um, overarching aims. Uh, one is to raise global consciousness about what's transpiring in the Congo. And the second is to provide support to local institutions on the ground, uh, particularly youth who are using art, music, theater, dance, a uh, whole range of um, 
cultural activities in order to um, pursue peace and justice um, in the Congo. Uh, for you listening audience, for those of you who may not be familiar with the Congo, um, it is a country that is located in the heart of Africa. Mm -hmm. um, it straddles the equator. Uh, part of the country is above the equator, another part is below. Um, it is the size of Western Europe. You can fit all of Western Europe mm. in that one country. Um, it's a country. I see. I didn't even know that. Yeah, Thank you yeah, for, yeah, for clarifying. It's a country um, that is bordered by nine other African countries. Uh, no, Afri no country on the African continent has that many countries bordering it. It is arguably the richest piece of real estate on the planet. It has everything that you can think of. Gold, diamonds, copper, tin, uranium, manganese, iron. You just name it, mm -hmm. um, Congo has it. Um, in fact, um, economists estimate that there are about $24 trillion worth of natural wealth in that country. To give you a sense of what that's like, uh, it's like the gross national product of the United States and the European Union combined. So with so much wealth in the heart of Africa, uh, strategically located, there's been a scramble to control that wealth by foreign governments, foreign corporations, uh, uh, neighboring countries, and that scramble has resulted in the loss of millions of Congolese lives, mm -hmm. millions of African lives, millions of human beings. But hardly anyone knows about what's taking place in the Congo. And there's been great silence around the lo such tremendous loss of life. Now, the just genocide. Yeah, just Call it what it is. Yeah, several reasons for that. You know, uh, Malcolm X um, famously said that you cannot understand what's happening in Mississippi if you don't understand what's happening in the Congo. That is to say, what transpires on the African continent um, also occurs here in the United States. Now, part of the reason, a major part of the reason why there's been such silence around such tremendous loss of life in the Congo is because black lives, African lives, are less valued than other lives. Mm -hmm. So when um, those lives are less valued, several things happen. On the African continent, you have tremendous loss of life and hardly anybody says anything about it. Uh, here in the United States, the devaluing of black life results in black um, youth being targeted for elimination and the justice system not responding in the same fashion as if it were the loss of um, white life. Um, we see that across the board, whether we're yeah. talking about Oscar Grant you know, in Oakland, um, Sean Bell in New York, Trayvon Martin in Florida, or now Michael Brown. The, the pattern is set. You know, it's not anything new that we're seeing. Well, well you know, when we, we are looking at what's going on in St. Louis and then we look at the Trayvon Martin and, and the whole bit. See, the thing about here in America, because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm here to learn from you about the Congos, okay. and I so appreciate you sitting here talking to, to, to us. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that might be, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. that's just a little bit different, is that it's all economically based, but the Congos have more of an economical base than mm -hmm. the Americans, mm -hmm. as far as the African-American males is concerned. Here, in the Congos, is the killing of peoples. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here in America is shooting young black males. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're not necessarily shooting young, killing young uh, mm -hmm. black females. Mm -hmm. uh, the police departments and the, the justice system, they're mm -hmm. not killing a lot of females. Where in the Congo, they're killing males, females, babies, and, mm -hmm. and gorillas, and you name it. You name it, right. They're just, they're just killing everything mm -hmm. because they want the land. They want mm -hmm. to move the land. Mm -hmm. and, and so, but here in America, it's a different kind of hate. Mm -hmm. Here in America, there is the fear of losing white supremacy. Mm -hmm. uh, because for years and years, ever since the beginning here, um, th it was not against the law to kill a Native American. Mm -hmm. After, but when slavery came, uh, it was not against the law to kill a black man. Mm -hmm. It was against the law to kill a black man that was owned by someone. Mm -hmm. So there was... You didn't go. Uh, the, the 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 white guys didn't go to jail for shooting and killing a black guy. Right. He was fined mm -hmm. because the slave owner 
lost a piece of property. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's a little bit of difference here, which they're looking for genocide over uh, in the Congo. Mm -hmm. Here is, uh, let me put the niggas in place. Mm -hmm. Let me control them. Mm -hmm. and let me keep them under my thumb, foot, or whatever. Right. Because, see, what a lot of people don't realize, and I'll and I tell you something, even with racism here in America, are you familiar with Jim Crow? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, a lot of people don't realize that when Jim Crow thing came on, after the slavery, after the turn of the century, mm -hmm. when they free, freed the slave, blacks and slaves, you know, remember, his, his the, the white guy dream was to grow up to own slaves. Mm -hmm. It was a sign of wealth. He never did it, but most of them never did. But then at the turn of the century, after slavery, they ended up working in cotton fields and factories and stuff together. But white America had come together like unions mm -hmm. and was demanding more pay right. from the companies, from the, from the, from the, from the, from the uh, businesses and stuff. Mm -hmm. The white owners said, if you don't shut up and keep the pay, we would bring the Negro in and give, pay him less for mm -hmm. what you're making. Mm -hmm. So you better shut up and know that you're better than the Negro. Mm -hmm. So what they did was, the Jim Crow things came in and said, well, how do we make, shut them up and keep them uh, making low wages and make them feel like they're better? Mm -hmm. So that's when they introduced white water fountain, black water fountain. Mm -hmm. uh, can't go to this restaurant, can't go in here, can't use the same bathroom, and the whole bit. That's kind of what the Jim Crow thing was, to shut the white boy up and say, well, you got it better than the Negro, but yet still we're not going to pay you nothing. Mm -hmm. So after the rise of black economics in America, then our first bombing was 1921, Greenville, Oklahoma, what was called the Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. So there's a little bit of difference there in mm -hmm. the killing of the people. Yeah, there, there, there is, um, there is a difference. Um, something that you said um, that uh, is very important, and you talked about white supremacy. Um, that is the idea um, that white folks are superior, and that black folks are inferior. And uh, white supremacy, as you know, is not limited to the United. States, right? Just as Jim Crow wasn't limited to Southern U.S., so the foundation and the framework is white supremacy, and it manifests itself in different ways, mm -hmm. depending on whether you're down south, up north, in the United States, outside of the U.S. So that white supremacy is functioning in the Congo as well. Absolutely, it has from the outset. Now, it doesn't mean that people who are going to die in the U.S. the same way that they die in the Congo. But at the core of that white supremacy is the lack of value for black life. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not just black males. Um, if we look at Detroit, for example, uh, with Renisha McBride, you know, she got lost on the road, got drunk. You know, she was, she was lost on the road, uh, maybe a little drunk, and then she was trying to find her way um, back home. So she got out of the car, knocked on the door, and the white man saw her as a black woman, right. just black person, right? That's all he saw. Right, and he didn't inquire as to what's wrong with you, how you doing, you know, what's going on. He just shot her, right? So the, whether it's black male or black female, the fact that you have black skin, it sends signal um, to um, white people in particular in society, and they respond in a, in a certain way. Um, so although um, the... You find mostly black male. It's not restricted to, to no, to no, black no. We male, weren't talking right? about restriction here. Right? No, absolutely yeah. not. You, you, you talk about the the abuse across the board and across so many the board. Ways. And yeah. it, 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 the thing about it is that in the way the system is set up mm -hmm. here, the legal system is set up. Mm -hmm. It just seems it, it is that the black male is at the bottom of it. Mm -hmm. So quite naturally, I want to protect my sisters and them. That, that, that's a given. Right, right. But at the same time, I have a daughter. Mm -hmm. And I have a son. Mm -hmm. I have more fear of what the police department is going to do to my son. Right, the son than I do requires daughter. special instructions. Yes, even today, right? Um, uh, over fifty years after the passage of the Voting Rights Act mm -hmm. and the Civil Rights Act in the U.S., um, black parents still have to instruct their sons, in particular, 
how to conduct themselves when they're on the road and, mm -hmm. you know, pulled over by the police or encounter the police. Uh, that's a, a consistent um, fear that's, um, that's, that's present. And we see that, um, how that uh, manifests itself in, um, you know, in, in Ferguson, you know, because uh, you have Michael Brown who's apparently walking with his friends and the police um, told him, get out of the, you know, the middle of the road. And uh, he was following um, instructions, but yet he was still, you know, gunned down. So there is that palp palpable mm. fear. Now, what you're, you're getting at in terms of the economic difference between, let's say, a Congo and here in the, in the U.S., um, I think economics does play a role. Let me ask some, some before, some, let, me, let, me, let me cut you off just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Hold that thought. I want to go back to how you was seeing the, what, what happened in uh, St. Louis. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about what you see the consciousness of the trigger man, the cop. The the cop. I mean, um, well, we know the the story. Um, no, no, no. I, we know the story, but no, I no, want the, the listeners to hear right. from you because you're right. very eloquent in in your speech, and you you tell a, a, a great story, and I want people to hear you uh, uh, speak on it. Yeah, uh, when I say we know the story, um, uh, meaning that uh, every just about everybody in the black community. Uh, can tell you the story even without knowing the details. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that they'll tell you, the white man will say, well, I feared for my life, or he attacked me, or he looked like he had a gun, whether he had a <laughs> wallet, a toothbrush, right? All, those, all of those and things. They all look like guns to him. And interestingly enough, you know, that may operate in the subconscious of white people, you know, that um, the black skin, uh, black male is a figure of fear. But right? he's a trained but that, policeman now. Even the trained policeman, but that doesn't justify... Um, you killing, shooting in cold blood, you know, a, a young um, teenager, you know, from a trained no, policeman. No, 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 see, I'm not talking about from a point of justification. I'm talking about when you, when you talk about the born fear. Now, mm -hmm. he's supposed to be weeded out because now he's a policeman, so he's supposed to have better judgment than that. How is it didn't lead the judgment of a trained policeman? Well, I mean, when it comes to black folks and um, <laughs> that's, that's about the, 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 the militarization of our communities, um, through policing, um, all uh, sense of reason is thrown out the, the door. Um, you, um, there is a, a movie uh, with um, Charles Dutton. Uh, I think it may have been um, Boys in the Hood. Um, and he was um, speaking to the young, young, young brothers and sharing with them, you know, what society's like. And he basically said the hunt is on, mm. right? So with, a, with that blue uniform, um, let loose in black communities, the hunt is on. Mm -hmm. And that's the mentality in which police officers have, you know, in that they see a black man out walking on the street, he's a th he poses a threat. And because they see him as posing a threat, that means all options are, are, are open. He can use deadly force. And one of the reasons why they have license to use deadly force is because they know that the black life is less valued. If you take that black life out, you're less likely to face any kind of repercussions from the justice system for uh, erasing a black life uh, without any just cause. So there are a whole bunch of factors that go into it, um, whether um, the white man is um, thinking about it consciously or subconsciously. He knows because a black life is less valued, he can do, get away with more. Let me and, tell that's you. What we, and that's what we see, um, that's what we see um, in, um, in St. Louis, and that's what we see in the Congo in the sense that um, so many people can die and white people or, or the mainstream media doesn't have to pay attention to it, doesn't have to get into any um, in-depth analysis of why so many people are dying, doesn't have to explore the economic underpinnings um, to the loss of life on the African continent in that Western multinational corporations are, play a central role in fueling conflict on the African continent that results in massive loss of life. What they do is they present it as ethnic um, conflict, like there are tribes fighting against each other, but that's not um, the underpinning the of such loss of life, the hidden hand, absolutely. Um, so uh, we can't go for the okie doke, especially black folks here in the U.S. who have been conditioned to turn their heads away from Africa because they see um, so much suffering and tragedy. But if you look um, underneath um, the story, at the base of it, we'll see that there is a global system in place that's now, founded on white supremacy that uh, results in yes. economic exploitation 
of um, of uh, Africans on the African continent and also results in the degradation of black folks here in the United States, whether it's in St. Louis, right here in Los Angeles, or anywhere else uh, in the U.S. I totally agree with everything you just said because I, when you look at this Ebola thing, you know, mm-hmm. thousands of Africans die from Ebolas that would have no cure. A couple of white folks get Ebola and say, oops, we got an experimental drug. It worked. Oh, mm-hmm. he's, he's up walking on his own. Up mm-hmm. oh, now we're going to loan some of it to the area that, that has e- Ebola. But going back to the police department here, here is the thing that could get me in a little trouble, and I really don't care. I mean, um, what we don't realize here, bullying, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the, the skinheads, the, the Ku Klux Klan, the, the biggest bullies in America is within the police department. Mm-hmm where the police themselves are afraid of the bullies within the core of their own police department. The police department has infiltrated um, the CIA, the FBI, all the way where the President of the United States Mm -hmm. has to be very careful in talking about the police department. Mm -hmm. The police department is not the police department that people think they are anymore. Well, it's never been for black folks. You have gang initiations inside the police department. Mm-hmm. You shoot a black kid, we got your back. In order for that young cop to grow into the loop of the mm-hmm. superiority group, hierarchy gangs inside the police department. Mm-hmm. So we look at gang initiations in the Crips and Bloods. We don't realize that a lot of time when you see a black, that woman, black woman beat down on national TV, I would go as far as say that was gang initiation. Hmm. I would go as far as say some of the shootings that we have seen is gang initiations for those that's inside the group. Hmm. So the, only, the one thing I disagree just slightly, hmm. but it's all how you put it. There's a great value on black lives. Mm-hmm. It's valued so much that it is feared because of white supremacist loss of power here in mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. I am a relatively young, good-looking guy. I'm a mm-hmm. young guy. Um, and I remember times when if a white person, my friends, mm-hmm. I had a friend, that I was teaching how to play guitar. Uh, he and his buddy, Larry Harvin, my heart, uh, all blessings to you, my brother. Mm-hmm. The Ku Klan killed him and his partner, Butcher Boy, dumped him in the ocean, no charges, no nothing, mm-hmm. no media, no nothing. My cousin, Lynn Green, bought a motorcycle, mm-hmm. and his baby brother, Sam, Lynn is 16. Lynn drives 20 miles from where we live to pick up a motorcycle, driving a truck. Mm-hmm. So my cousin Sam had to drive the truck back. Lynn drives the motorcycle back. Lynn get lost in front of Sam. Car pulls around Sam, take off. Sam is 15 driving the pickup. Mm-hmm. And he sees the motorcycle. The white boys ran completely over him. Mm. My cousin. So his 15-year-old brother had to get his mangled body and put it in a truck and drive 30 miles to the nearest hospital, mm-hmm. and Lynn died. The white guys in the car got out. They admitted killing him. Mm-hmm. They said, well, why did you do it in, in, in the news? So we couldn't stand to see a nigga on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one more story. A guy I went to school with, I mean, young guy, and I was talking to my brother uh, a couple of weeks ago, and... He was working. He went to a place called a white kitchen just to get a breakfast to go. They beat him to a pole, castrated him, put it in his mouth, and threw him through a plate window. No files, no charges, no arrests. They know exactly who did it. And I say all this to say this was then in the mm-hmm. 70s. Mm-hmm. So the change that you see now, as bad as it is, mm-hmm. you're seeing growth. Mm-hmm. That's my point. The growth in what? In you're what seeing black people grow. 
You're seeing the the bubble of black people growing mm-hmm. because white supremacy can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Where the common mm-hmm. white guy could do that, they can't do that anymore. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. They might get by with it like a George Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. But still, there's some accountability that we are seeing march mm-hmm. the streets now. Right. And, and, and so the value of it has changed. Yeah, you know... Um, not to harp on no, please go not, ahead. not to harp on Malcolm uh, a whole lot. Please but, go ahead. But he's uh, I consider him you know such a, a seminal thinker um, for uh, our people in terms of analyzing white supremacy. Is probably I can hardly think of a better thinker you know in in his analysis. And he he talked about um, uh, the situation of black people in America. Mm-hmm. And he said if you stick a knife in the back of a man. And then you pull it out a part of the way, and you call that progress. That's not progress. Right. Even if you pull it all the way out, and you call that progress, that's not progress. Did you heal the wound? You know, did you pat it up? Right. So that's been the condition of black folks in America. Yes. In that the knife has been pulled out part of the way, but it's still stuck in our backs. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Um, when we look at the, the progress, um, we have to um, look at the progress of the masses of people. Sure, there's been improvements, right, without a doubt. Um, sure, value has um, increased. We have like a trillion dollars in spending power right now or, or approaching a trillion dollars. However, the system um, that keeps us down um, here in the United States, the system that keep people down on the African continent, you talked a little bit about um, Ebola, um, part of the reason why uh, Liberia and Sierra Leone and other African countries are not able to respond um, to in a commensurate fashion uh, to the scale of a, a disease like uh, Ebola is because their institutions have, are weak, mm-hmm. and their institutions have been weakened by Western institutions, Western um, entities like uh, the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, uh, major corporations. Uh, so. Those weakening of the institutions have a deleterious effect on the population. Just like the, we here, the system that's in place here, um, produces um, a situation where just about every conceivable marker of um, uh, lack of progress, let's say, in the black community, or, or in, in indices in the, in, uh, among the larger population, mm-hmm. Uh, black and white, you see black folks at the bottom. Whether you're yes, talking no about education, about whether you're talking about health, whether you're talking about income, and we don't even want to start talking about wealth, where you know the median household income or wealth for black people are like in the hundreds and uh, hundreds of dollars, right? Uh, and uh, white folks are you know tens of thousands <laughs> of dollars. So the the point is like the the institutions that are in place, um, global institutions, not just here in the United States. Oh, I agree with you. Results in black folks being at the bottom of the of the ladder, and we we see um, this being manifested right uh, in different ways. Uh, whether we're talking about as you come from in Mississippi, uh, whether we're talking uh, up north, whether we're talking uh, recently, we're talking about in um, in Missouri, irrespective. So for us, um, the challenge uh, as uh, people of African ancestry, whether we're in Mississippi or in Los Angeles or in the Congo or in Liberia, is to Created, first challenge those institutions, mm-hmm. one of which is white supremacy. Um, challenge um, the economic order that you talked about where you mentioned um, the economic implications of the system um, being more evident on the African continent, even though it exists here as well. Um, we know uh, a key um, challenge for us is controlling our resources. On the African continent, it's the diamond and the gold and all mm-hmm. of those riches we don't, Africans don't control. Therefore, they can't employ themselves. They can't um, be fully determinant of the future. Right here in in Los Angeles and in the United States, we have natural resources of black folks too. Uh, We have our music and our culture, but we don't control it, right? These are billion-dollar industries. Even the very hair on our heads, Mm -hmm. right? Is an industry, a billion dollar yeah, industry. There's no question about it. And we don't control it. We're the trendsetters. It. Yeah, so, but we don't control that well. So, key for us, right, mm-hmm. in dealing with um, uh, whether it's uh, Michael Brown or Trayvon or what have you, is 
put getting a system in place or moving towards a space where we control our wealth, whether it's on the African continent or in our communities here. And I believe that can be the start of um, making that difference and, and um, even taking that progress that you're talking about to an entirely new level. Right? Absolutely. But, and the reason I agree with you, and, and I, see, I, I, I totally agree with you, and I'm mm-hmm. so, man, I am so glad you're here. I'm so right. glad we decided to do this because, see, I've been so blessed to travel around the world. Mm-hmm. And when you go to Japan, you go in the back hills of Japan, they're dark, Japanese, mm-hmm. they're the poorest. Man. You go to the Arab countries. You go to the backwoods and the poorest part of the mm-hmm. Arabs, among the Arabs, the lighter-skinned Arabs are the ones that have the wealth, right. not the dark-skinned right. Arabs. You go to Egypt. Mm-hmm. You go to Malaysia. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are in other cultures and other race of people that the darker of their race mm-hmm. is at the bottom of of the economical food chain. Right. Now, having said that, one of the things that is playing out here that's, that, that I don't believe that most people are looking at, there are powers that be that feel that they have us in check. Mm-hmm. No question about it. And to a degree, they do. Mm-hmm. But the biggest chunk of power on the planet Earth mm-hmm. is middle-class white America mm-hmm. on planet Earth. Combine their wealth together, middle class white America, and their voice and their power to their ability to change laws and get things done right there. When you see the cops Mm -hmm. in their military mites Mm -hmm. pointing the guns towards the black community, 365 degree turn, where is the guns pointed? Mm -hmm. Where would the guns be pointed? at the white community. Mm-hmm. But in order to get that kind of military force near the white community, mm-hmm. they use stir up shit in the black community. Mm-hmm. So the white community said, yeah, bring in the tanks, bring in that. We're unarmed, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The trick is, that is not what it's for right now. Mm-hmm. I believe that Inside white America, you're about to see a civil war Hmm. in America. White on white civil war. When the Hmm. Tea Parties, when Barack Obama Hmm. got uh, elected, you see these young white boys walking up into these schools, killing up 20 and 30 kids. Mm -hmm. You see these young white guys driving down the street, just slaughtering off each other. You see the white fathers that's killing up his whole family. Mm -hmm. You see the white mother that is poisoning her whole family. She... Killing white America is scared and they're about to pop. Mm. White mm-hmm. America is about to go to war. Mm-hmm. And it's about to be that war that they cannot sustain. They cannot, they don't know how to contain this thing okay. with the anger among white America for each other and the government. Mm-hmm. So, what they do is to give them, you know, when pressure builds. They had right. to poke a, a hole in there, valve, yeah. give it a release valve. Mm-hmm. That's what you're seeing they're using black people for mm-hmm. as a release valve. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake about it. White America about to pop. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, when I say progress in the value, one of the things that black people need to do is duck. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> well, Stay I, out of these yeah. people business, man, a little bit and I, duck because some of it, it is not about you. Right. Well, I mean, you're you're familiar with sports and and boxing. Not right? really, but <laughs> you're talking to you a know, guy that never watched a game of know. baseball, basketball, <laughs> football in his whole life. But I can ride with. The, I right. can get on when, back some, when somebody throws a jab, you know, you can duck. But that's not all you do. You know, you can come back with an uppercut yes. or over overhand right or what have you. So you mentioned something earlier about um, us. You know, people of African ancestry, black folks, and our value, right, and how. Other people may devalue us, but in spite of that, we have a lot of value, mm. right? Uh, but the challenge is, is that we don't fully recognize our value and our power, right? And think about it. Imagine, just look back. Uh, you, you're talking about the 1970s in Mississippi. Let's go back to the 1970s in New York, for example. Mm. Hip-hop, the birth of hip-hop. Yeah. And how well, over- the West Coast guys would disagree with it, but go ahead. We can fool the West Coast. Go ahead. So, birth of hip hop, right? And how 30 years la- later, how it's such a 
powerful cultural force. You talk about Japan. You go to Japan, they're what? They're doing hip-hop. They're doing hip-hop. Right? Yeah. Latin America, hip-hop. Hip yes. All over Africa, hip-hop. Yeah. So we have a certain intrinsic power, yes. uh, a certain level of creativity that's unmatched around the globe uh, where um, we can influence the minds of uh, young people on a global scale and that's what hip and that's what hip hop yeah. does so uh, i wanted to go back in that to that to to say that irrespective of what's what happening with middle class white america if we right mm. decide as black people to embrace ourselves embrace our culture embrace our heritage and um, acknowledge what we have in hand we can transform mm. not only america but the globe and we, we've done it. The yeah. only thing is that we, we've done it without really being fully conscious of what we're doing. Well, I think we're you know, doing it. We're you doing it. Us to, you want us to kick it up to another level. We want to we, control it at all levels. Yeah. Not only yeah. be um, uh, the producers of it, but also we produce it, but we don't control it. We're not the primary beneficiaries of what we produce. Well, let right? me tell you something about because I've worked in the entertainment business right. my, uh, most of my adult life. And, and the thing about what... I see black people needing to do is that, and I, okay, I'm going to criticize us for a little bit. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't throw dirty laundry out in the public that much because there's enough uh, pain merchants out there. But if you as you, as a guest, you feel free mm -hmm. to speak on anything. So you'll find me pushing back just a little bit, okay. but um, it, it, you, know, you see the, the problem is we like to be out front. Mm -hmm. There's so many of us, that are becoming super wealthy, mm -hmm. the f more we put ourselves in the background, the more wealthier we get. Mm -hmm. The more we put ourselves out front as individual, the less mm -hmm. money we get. Mm -hmm. The ones that's out front do not get the money, right. generally speaking. They don't get a lion's share of the money. They don't get a lion's they share. But when right. you start to look at more and more of us that is in the background, we can take a clue from the Jewish community. Mm -hmm. The Jewish community is successful in a big part because mm -hmm. they're not all running out to be in the camera. Mm -hmm. They're not running out there to be in the light. Now, we may not like some of their moves or some of their decisions mm -hmm. or some of their business tactics. You can't paint anybody with a broad brush. Mm -hmm. But if you look at that, I look at people in the entertainment industry when they give up that limelight and being in front and go back and use their skills to be in the background, look at Dr. Dre. I mean, I'm just using mm -hmm. these guys coming billionaires, hundreds of millions of their perfect, mm -hmm. perfect con. I mean, uh, 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 them and all these guys learn that as long as they got in the foundation in the background, that's where the wealth and power is. Mm -hmm. So I encourage us to look more of doing that. But let me just say one other, one other thing. We have a big problem with religion in black people. Black, but religion has been used to just completely screw our heads up. Mm -hmm. And the value of it, of us, is that regardless of what a person believes in evolution, mm -hmm. creation, or design mind, when God decided to create a human being mm -hmm. that all human beings can come forth out of on planet Earth, he created a black man. Mm -hmm. That is where your white supremacists come from. When you say that's where it comes from in the sense that... Uh, the, that's where it is. That religion... That, hate, that hatred for that. For... Because you're the true chosen for one. For the original man. Yes. Because he I mean, came there, out of it. I mean, there, there is some truth to that. Um, as you know, uh, Dr. Francis Chris Welsing is... Uh, I'm not familiar with please. Uh, 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 she's a psychiatrist that's uh, based in uh, Washington, D.C., and she has the, um, you know, the Kress um, theory of uh, white supremacy, where she argues that um, uh, white, um, because a black uh, man or black woman was the original, um, and uh, white um, uh, was uh, white folks are so come come out of, have recessive. Uh, they have this uh, genetic. How can I say jealousy, so to speak? No question. And that's manifested through a whole series of actions, and she 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 lays that out. So there there are some of our scholars who um you know who delve into mm -hmm. who delve into that. Um, what I, what I wanted to to say though, and and you were you know really hinting at it, is that 
irrespective of all that, right? Um, even um, the, the original point that you talked about was individuals in the background, in, in behind the scenes. Uh, I think um, a few things um, that is critical. One, um, we have to have the mindset that we want to control, that we want to control industries and not just create individuals who are, who are wealthy. That we want to control entire in, in industries. Um, two, I think um, a lot of people that you're talking about who may be out front, um, it may be a question of miseducation, you know, in that we don't have a, a history uh, of um, transferring wealth from one generation to the next or even thinking about uh, on those levels of what it means to to be wealthy. I uh, we we have we have beginning right to. right we See have a good we have a good conception of what it means to be rich, right. but right. we don't have um, that uh, financial literacy right among ourselves yeah. that says what it means to be wealthy. You know, there's a fundamental difference between being only for rich the, and wealthy. Only right? for the sake of time, I'm gonna yeah. I'm just gonna step in a little bit, and I'm pushing back a little bit because I, I uh-huh. love your pushback. Okay, because. It, it, when you brought up music, music right. is something that I, that I can use for an example. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sorry this is not a musical show, but I'm going to show you a good example mm-hmm. of the change in the consciousness of black people that I witnessed. Mm-hmm. When I first came into the music industry, I wanted to play guitar. Okay. Excuse me. Um, couldn't get a job at a guitar player because all the instrument players wanted to play guitar. Mm-hmm. So I started playing bass guitar. No one wanted to play bass. Then after Larry Graham and all these guys started thumping, then everybody wanted to play bass. Now I can't get a job playing bass, so now everybody want to be a bass player. Running, staying quicker, everybody wanted to sing. Everybody wanted a production company. Mm -hmm. Then everybody wanted to write. Mm -hmm. It wasn't up until my generation where everybody wanted their own record label, Mm -hmm. their own record company. Now when you talk to the young people now, they want their own record company. Mm -hmm. They have they're getting, not just asking for, they're getting more of their publishing. Mm-hmm. They're getting control of the writing. They're getting control of the independent label deals and they're going in and negotiating labels deal. Mm-hmm. They're getting more of the pie once the product is sold now. Yeah. So you, I'm seeing a, gro- uh, a, a, a growth of company-minded people mm-hmm. that's industry-driven and wanting to control more and more and more. And so the, the biggest thing, the only thing that we didn't break the ceiling on was distribution. Mm-hmm. And I was the first black distributor that was known by the uh, Norm Association and Record Industry. I actually distribute hundreds of records. I had uh, hundreds of, uh, I had over 5,000 mom and pop stores, over 60,000 big chain stores and and a few thousand radio stations that my little company was handling for all the major companies mm-hmm. and stuff because I was a small distributor that could pay close attention. Mm-hmm. That was about to grow more and more distributors were starting, but the digital world come in. Mm-hmm. And so now that young individual game. don't need the distributor. So right. my, my what I'm saying is there is a change of consciousness that you see the powers that be in mm-hmm. this country, see that change. And mm-hmm. that is where a lot of the economical fear mm-hmm. is coming in. We mm-hmm. may not have the all the hot dog stands in our community. Right. No, we may not. But you see more and more going into law, uh, being law. You see, you see business popping up in our communities, accountants and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they're more office-driven like that, but I see more and more of a growth of that. So please, in, in the in the service sector, yeah, no, when I, I buy, I mean, you you've been in the music industry; that's been your life, and you lived it. Uh, I'm not an expert in it, um, but when I look at it, um, two models jump out at me um, that uh, ought to apply um, not only to the music industry but to our community uh, at large. At large, yes. You know, so we're talking about uh, Ray Charles, for example, mm. and the kind of deals he negotiated. Um, in his career, and um, uh, James Brown, you know um, how he they they sought um, to own what they what they produced. Um, I'm not familiar with all the terms, but you, you but have okay. you have the question of master and slave. Yes, right. <laughs> and they 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 weren't <laughs> slave singers, right? They were like let's say we call them master singers because they wanted to be the master, mm. right? So those that's the model. Uh, I guess you're saying that um, some young people are. Um, uh, pursuing more young people are pursuing oh, today. No they, they, what I'm saying now is that 
um, beyond James Brown, beyond the young people who are getting their own labels or like a Russell Simmons who had Def Jam and then I think he sold it off to uh, Sony or Universal or one, one of them. We um, ought to be at our stage and our level of creativity and, our, and what we produce as a community. We ought to be looking at industries yes. and controlling those industries, yes. uh, especially when we're the creative force behind those industries. The trendsetters. Not, yeah, not, not, not just a question now having your own label or, you know, um, the master. It's but, baby steps, but, man. Right, but controlling <laughs> the industry. So I'm saying for us as a community, whether we're talking about here in the United States or we're talking about an African continent, it's about control. Yes. You know, uh, not to repeat Janet Jackson, but it's about control, it's about controlling control. our industries in the music industry or the hair industry, controlling the platinum industry in South Africa or the, the gold industry in the Congo. And that's where I see the connection, um, you know, uh, a critical connection in our forward looking forward in terms of what we can do proactively in terms of solutions for our communities where you say you travel the world and see us on the bottom is that. On the African continent, which is the richest continent on the planet, on the has planet. everything that that is needed that we need. Mm -hmm. What it does, what is what's missing, is our control. We're here where we have everything that we need in terms of our uh, talent and intellectual capital, but we don't control it. So, having discussions, um, classes, education training about what it means for example with your experience and you in the music industry what it means to move to control the industry you know how how do you how do we engage our young people in thinking that way you know, I, I think uh, you know, uh, I'm only you know, I, I think you're absolutely right so I'm, I'm gonna be with you uh, as much as I'm, I'm gonna babysit you and I'm gonna trail you around <laughs> because no because I want to I want to do this again and work more uh, closer with you I just love the fact that and and see the, the thing that I see that when you see me mm -hmm. doing the give and take a little bit right. is that um, I actually see a lot of it happening Right. I see a lot of growth, and I see the fear. I see where some of the fear in white America is, mm -hmm. all the way down to the police department, which they okay the shooting and killing of the police department. I mean, in, inside the police department. Yeah. When I go to corporate meetings, I remember when I first started going to corporate meetings where there was no blacks in these meetings mm -hmm. at all. Now when you go to these corporate meetings, you see more and more blacks. See, they see us rising up a little bit at a time into mm -hmm. this, in, into their private uh, Yeah. Well, a part of that fear too, remember, is um, is subconscious and historic. Yes. When you've mistreated the people the way that white <laughs> folks have mistreated black folks for so long, you know, naturally you fear like, dang, imagine if they get in control. What are they going to do to us? So there's that subconscious fear that's at play too, you know, um, in there. But then um, the, the, the thing about we have to still have to reach out to them. We're still oh, no, going to no, have no, a oh, partnership. Well, we, and what I want us to do to consider doing uh, as black mm -hmm. African Americans is to partner up more right. rather than be servants to right. partner up with. And because, for instance, I couldn't, wouldn't be sitting here on this show mm -hmm. if there weren't white partners that's helping me and you sit here and talk about what white folks are doing to us. But at <laughs> the same time, I mean, come on. <laughs> See, to give you, I know we got to go at the time. Yeah. When I, I sit down and talk to guys about writing movies mm -hmm. and they can't figure out why they can't get a distribution deal, why do you think white folks are going to give you a distribution deal? Put your movie out there and you telling them how bad they have been to you. <laughs> right, but right. we here at the Larry XSL show got a better shot at We got white uh, supporters and mm -hmm. sponsors that'll let us sit here and talk about what white folks. Yeah, white folks, help me some more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but uh, uh, really the, the best thing for, for race relations uh, would be um, for black folks to be able to control their own. Um, control their own um, politics in their community, yeah. control the economy in their community. And this way, we can have a more honest conversation because black folks are really not having an honest conversation because we don't control a lot of stuff. So we're afraid of losing our job. Yes, we are. You know, we're afraid of they losing, are, yeah. losing our endorsement deals. You know, we're afraid, we're afraid of a lot of that. And so if we can have Wait more minute, You're not accusing Larry <laughs> Exus is afraid of losing endorsement <laughs> no, deal. No. I got an endorsement here. I'm not afraid. <laughs> no, but no, we, we could have more honest conversations <laughs> when it comes to race relations. And I think that would do wonders for race relations. I actually, uh, in, in, I, I actually have the... the, the um, my white friends that have uh, sponsored this show, they mm -hmm. really love the fact that I'm the type that sit down and tell it like I see it. It doesn't necessarily right. mean that I'm right. And I allow guests to come on the show 
and talk from the heart. Put yeah, it you're out there. Fu- fully self-expressed. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, and I'm and not going to censor anybody. Right. Everybody said, well, do you censor your guests? No. Yeah. Whatever he wants to talk about, let him blow, let yeah. flow. Yeah. And, and, and I tell you, I'll be honest with you. If I lose the show for standing up by mm-hmm. letting you speak, then I don't, I don't want it anyway. Yeah. I'm not going to be one of those that lay down and say, I don't need it that much. Because it's not, it's not yeah. a, an arrogant thing that I'm right. here. I'm not here because I want to be. No, I want to here to give uh, voices like yours. Right. Well, and my voice is not that that radical. Um, it's it's really common sense for, you know, um, for people to um, take care of their own first. It's not radical out, uh, in know. that sense, but you, uh, but a lot of power uh, think this is radical talk yeah, because they're yeah. not used to it. Right. Look, we're black men. You and I are black yeah. men sitting on the air talking about uh, what white supremacists doing to the world right, right to the world right. no it's, it's real and it's real. and then and then we were looking around we have a guest engineer in here that is african-american mm-hmm. we have the main engineer over here that's working with us that is african-american and you're a guest and i'm african-american and guess what we don't feel sitting here talking about this no, so that's no. what the, look here i hate to shut this down man but yeah. you got to give me a word of wisdom before we go well um just want to first thank you uh, for providing us um, with a platform to have this exchange and dialogue with you and um, connecting um, the continent um, to black folks here in the, in the United States. A words, word of wisdom is let's turn our heads towards Africa. That's our heritage. I like That's it, yes. our home. Um, that's our base um, waiting for us um, to engage Africa in um, a whole series of ways. Um, uh, that's the future of the world. Um, the richest um, piece of real estate uh, on the planet. On the planet. Uh, and that's our um, progeny, you know, um, the lost sons and daughters we're, of the African continent. Think, so think, let's embrace Africa, starting with the Congo. Uh, encourage people to check us out at um, friendsofthecongo.org to find out about more, how they can um, start engaging um, uh, Congo and Africa overall. Thank you for saying that. Just before I go, I want to tell you something, give you some thoughts of what's yeah. happening in the consciousness of, of African Americans. See, we're the only people on planet Earth that mm-hmm. was native, national, black African Americans that if we find a land mm-hmm. that has never been touched before, mm-hmm. we don't know what flag to raise. Okay. You know what flag you would raise. Mm-hmm. The Mexican have a flag he would raise. Mm-hmm. The Chinese have a flag that he would raise. Mm-hmm. The guy from India has a flag he yeah. would raise. I, as an African-American born yeah. black, what flag do I raise? Right. When you help me answer that. Look, but look at this. Just to, just to close, right? You don't know what flag to raise, right? But look at the remarkable achievement that black folks in America that come out of the, the, the bowels of slavery uh, and I'm gonna transform leave, the world. I'm that's gonna leave so, it at that's that. a remarkable story. That's what I want to talk. Yeah. But anyway, this is, uh, anyway, thanks everybody. Remember, a nation can rise no higher than it elevates this woman. This is Larry X We'll see you next week. Thank you. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.